first Total Water Polo podcast. We've been threatening to do it for, you know, some time. So here it is for better or worse. I'm James Smith, the founder of Total Water Polo, the original one. More about that another time. And co-host of the TX Water Polo podcast, where my colleague uh, Joe Linehan and I stammer through a conversation about all things Texas in the water polo world. So you can go check that out too. But the plan for this show is to feature our writers and others who cover the sport. Michael Rondazzo has been one of the great sources of water polo information for Total Water Polo and other outlets for years. And Lala Kochish is a young writer from Hungary who came to California Baptist University, you're not supposed to say Cal Baptist anymore, to play the game and to study journalism. And uh, so we hope to speak with others who do the same, including some guy in Orange County that I'll bet's on the top of your mind right this moment. We'll cover the items that they're writing about one-on-one when we can, and also feature conversations between us and uh, fascinating people throughout the water polo community. Uh, So let's go, right? Uh, Today, Michael Rondazzo talks with Nathan Thomas and his daughter, Nyoka, who will be the first ever non-American player for the UCI Anteaters women. And in case you thought dad was just along for the ride, no such luck. Nathan Thomas is one of Australia's most decorated water polo athletes and a two-time Olympian, and he shares a lot of those experiences with Michael. Then my conversation with Preslav Jipov, the brand new coach for the shiny new program, varsity program that is at Westcliff University in Irvine. We talk about his Bulgarian background, how he came to the States, and uh, of course, plans for his NAI team when it begins uh, practicing and competing. So here you go. Michael speaks with Nyoka and Nathan Thomas. So uh, let's just talk about uh, um, the uh, the situation with the the coronavirus. Obviously, it's 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 uh, stopped sports all over the world. But as yeah. we look at this situation, folks are coming out of this. Obviously, in the sporting world, how is that affecting water polo in Australia? Um, especially for you, Noakes, that uh, um, you obviously want to play and you're preparing for for a career, uh, a future career in college. Yeah, um, obviously I think it's affected uh, like a lot of countries really badly. And I think in Australia, we've been pretty lucky um, to be able to kind of keep training. Um, pools were only closed for about two months, I think. So um, we've been able to be in the water pretty much the whole time. Um, it was like upsetting to have to um, have Junior Worlds cancelled, um, but in the grand scheme of things, uh, yeah, not a big price to pay. And you're going into your summer season. So how does that reflect the sort of uh, um, opportunity to play water polo, especially I assume where you are, it's beautiful. Outdoor polo is is the norm. And so um, despite the virus, there is still opportunities to get in the water and compete. Yeah, so there's been some competition dates um, announced for next month. Hmm. Mid-October. Yeah, so um, comp should start start back up with COVID sort of um, things like sanitizing and all of that. So yeah, that'll be that'll be good to get in the water and play. And will that be regional competition, high school competition, or national team um, training? Yeah, so um, school training, school competition will start up again, which is good. And then also club teams are starting up again. And then nationally, like that kind of thing is unknown because that's usually 
um, start of next year is when mm-hmm. that usually starts. And then national team stuff is kind of unknown as well because of how everyone lives like in different places and the borders um, are closed. Yeah, some of the state borders in Australia are locked down, so you can't move throughout the country um, freely. You have to have, you know, permission and, and it's quite challenging and, and those restrictions are put in place for people's safety, so that's understandable. The, um, yeah, so, so, yeah, water polo hopefully... I mean, the, the high-performance programs, the, the, you know, the elite training centres um, in Australia have been fortunate to be able to continue doing, doing the things they've been doing throughout COVID. Um, but it's really the, the next level down that's, that's um, desperately hungry to get back to it, right? Like the community uh, of water polo is, has been starved of the opportunity to be a part of that, that sort of society, which is obviously fantastic. Yeah. So we're all very excited to get back to it. So, but but coming back to you again, Noakes, you, you, you've been able to stay in the water, which is great, and, and you're looking forward to a bright future. How does this interruption maybe affect that, or is it just you, you're going to keep plugging away and, and uh, uh, whatever comes is, is, is whatever comes? Yeah, I think at the start it was kind of very, like, I think everyone's mentality was like, oh, my gosh, the, like, what's happening? Um, and like what's gonna what's how's this gonna affect our futures and mm-hmm. and that sort of thing but kind of as COVID's gone on I think people have just had to have the mentality of like whatever happens happens I've just got to keep going trying to do the best I can do um, for now and then yeah whatever happens will happen so yeah that's my mentality now <laughs> yeah yeah there's a lot of uncertainty in in the world and um mm-hmm just got to keep plodding away and trying to be you know in this new normal trying to sort of make do and and set your goals for the next thing that's there and that may not happen but you just got to keep pushing forward and i think there's a lot of great people in all walks of life um who are leading by example in that way yeah well, and, and I mean, you're both fortunate given that your dad, Noakes, has this experience having played at the highest level and represented his country. Um, h- how does that sort of, you know, sort of give you some, if you will, um, encouragement, um, someone to, to, to scrimmage against? I don't know how that uh, plays out. <laughs> but, but again, having this sort of parent, uh, um, someone who's blazed a trail for you with the sport, has, has that provided... Um, some comfort and also some, you know, sense of, of, of a center uh, during this time. Yeah, I think um, dad's coached me since I was 13-ish around there. So um, definitely learned from his coaching expertise and, and talks after the game. Um, yeah, we, the, we, we do. We definitely we do have, scrimmage, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's fun, actually, um, because, um, as, you know, I've coached kids uh, and, and, and adults, but getting being able to get in the water with your own kids you you, you know you can get past all those sort of barriers where you, you shouldn't touch and you know you don't go you know all the the normal behavior things um mm. but with your own child you can get in there and actually rub you know jump around and and push and shove and do all the sort of water polo things that are real uh so it's good fun actually to jump in and have a shot and and um you know have a bit of a wrestle mm-hmm. And, and you have a sister who also plays, right? She's a, a, a the 2005 age, so she'd be a cadet. Is that correct? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And so how did she get into all this mix? Um, she really, I don't think she really was that excited about playing first, like starting off. And um, 
over the past like four or five years, I think it's really oh yeah, yeah, she's definitely like gone gotten into it. But yeah, we play in the same sort of teams now at school and um, for club, and she's a centre back kind of player, and I'm centre forward, so. A lot of a lot of wrestling goes on there. The coach, <laughs> coaches often sure. tell us to just chill out, try not to kill each other. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's good fun. Got it. Well, yeah, so they it. take the sort of they take the challenges they have at, in in our in home, at home, and they they transfer that into the water and <laughs> and sort things out. You know, so uh, yeah, they both love the sport and they love the community and there's you know the great friendships that you build over time. And I think that's. Um, that's something they both enjoyed. You know, Nayaka told me when she was nine or 10 that she was going to go to the Olympics for water polo or swimming. She just hadn't made up her mind yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, as a father, you sort of, you glow with joy that you, your child has sort of aspirations like that. And, you know, very encouraging saying, of course you can, sweetie, you can do whatever you like in life. You know, anything's your, any, the world's your oyster sort of con- conversation. But, sure. um, you know, that's an ambition. Um, but uh, just the journey is, I think, really what's what matters and and the experience you have along the way and and you know certainly the opportunity that Nyoka has um going to UCI um with coach uh, Dan and and Andrew Rowe um is um wonderful life experience more than more than water polo there's mm-hmm. academic pursuit as well as you know there's nothing like living in another country um and in, and experiencing culture at a, at a deep level uh, of that of that place you live, and um, certainly from my experience, um, living and playing in Barcelona in Spain, you know, it's it's a life changing experience. So you know, I can only hope that Nayaka, um goes and enjoys and just lives that because it'll be you know it's a transformative experience. No, how does that sort of translate? Because you are not only just going to take this sort of adventure for the academic and the uh, athletic opportunity, but but it, it is going to be your first time, extended time away from home. How, how have you thought that through? Because obviously you thought about this decision very carefully, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so I think I've I've been to two Junior World Champs and the first one, I think we're away for like four or five weeks between each of them. And the first one I was super, super homesick. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second one, I kind of got used to it and was more comfortable being without my parents. And I think that's going to be a big um, thing for me is being just so far away from, from my family and, and friends here. Um, yeah, I think that was a big, a big decision to make. Um, but the um, it seems like the culture at UC Irvine is kind of a big family and they all support each other um, in that way. So I think that that was a big a big decision in, in selecting Irvine. Yeah, it's it, it's definitely a challenge. <laughs> and even as a as a family, we're going to obviously miss Nyoka a lot. And yeah, um, I, I think that the the really compelling factor for um, for the decision for Noakes and us as a family was. You know the way Dan and and Rowie talked about the sorry we just got a plane going by. <laughs> I hear that. Yeah. Um, the way the way Dan and Rowie um, talked about you know caring for their athletes holistically, um, mm-hmm. and you know that that to, that to us was really compelling. You know, and I think there's a lot of challenges just growing up in the world, let alone trying to be a high performing athlete or and and progress your 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 life um you know water polo is a wonderful sport you get to see the world and you can do amazing things and meet amazing people and 
but you know it, it doesn't pay a lot of money it's not a professional sure. sport so ultimately you've got to have a life in parallel you've got to have you know like sort of like the clark kent sort of style thing right you have your superman water polo people and then they need to have a parallel life that they're developing and and, and pursuing and and to us that was a really um uh, you know the uci is has presented that as an as a as an approach and yeah. um we're really pleased with with that and you know I, I was lucky enough to to play against Dan um, uh, you know and have known him for a long time and and Andrew Rowe and I actually uh, grew up together in Australia so mm-hmm. you know we're pretty close uh, uh, personally um, and you know we feel like that that they're gonna really look after Nyoka um, while she's away well yeah, I think the whole, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, the whole presentation they gave us over zoom it was me mom and dad i think afterwards we all kind of looked at each other and seemed to have just clicked that that was the, the place to go to so yeah blunt, bluntly i wanted to go like i wanted to go back to college <laughs> maybe you made it a package deal right you can't yeah, take right. one without the other they've made many threatening jokes about coming to um to live there while yeah, i'm there so that's right <laughs> I'm gonna be the gonna be the water boy. I'm gonna carry the water bottles for the for the team. Yeah. Um, yeah. Talk about Dan Clatton, and you know now that you mention it, because he did play in the 2004 Olympics in Athens. So, so yeah. how important is that personal connection? Yeah. Look, uh, a lot of respect for Dan uh, playing against him. The American team um, has always been a force to to be reckoned um, with, and representing. You know, you, you come to to into the battlefield, uh, but recognize that Dan as a player was. An intelligent player, you know, he mm-hmm. he understood. You could see that he understood the game at a deep level. Um, there's there's ta- players that are, have raw talent and and they can also understand the game to a to, to a great level as well. But you could see Dan was a, a water polo had a water polo brain and was a, a thinker. And mm-hmm. um, you know, he's gone on to have a, a you know a wonderful coaching career at UCI and and um, certainly. Um, you know the opportunity uh, to have a chat with him face to face after many years. That when when they came, the U.S. team, women's team, came out to Australia in January was great. Um, and you know, there's just been an investment over a period of time to to sort of make us feel like it's um, the right decision for us. You'll be the first non-American woman to play for UCI. Um, there was a Puerto Rican woman who played uh, a couple of years back, but Puerto Ricans are American. So, I, I mean, I don't know that that's so noteworthy. When you look at the landscape for American water polo, especially the best programs, there are um, so many international players that come here. D- does that have any significance for you or you really just want to go there and fit in and be a part of the team and do your best uh, um, as an antiquer? Yeah, I think... Um that that kind of title at first i was like oh like i just kind of want to be a part of the team Mm -hmm. but um yeah i think it it, it'll be really good to kind of have uci as a pathway for for australians and for other countries as well Mm -hmm. um in the future and i think being the first person to go there as an international is um for water polo is Really cool. Yeah, the UCI program has uh, been uh, is a maturing program, right? It's it's um, uh, rising through the ranks over the last decade, and sure. and and I think um, that's that's a uh, you know in recognition of the, the professionalism that they and the, the program that they're putting forward, and it's a place that people want to come to now. And um, 
and and it, it, I think this is just the next evolution that they're they're starting to introduce. And you know, Dan um, has uh, you know his involvement with the U.S. women's team allows him to sort of um, be in the marketplace globally and um, identify um, people that would potentially identify people that um, would fit into you know what he needs in that in the UCI program and. You know, it's a it's a privilege that 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 um, they've selected Nyoka to be a part of it, and you know, it should be exciting. I'm used to being an underdog, <laughs> um, and I think from that experience, I've kind of been able to um, approach approach like um, big named players um, with. Respect. Respect that, that, and, uh, yeah. and um, kind of like we're all, dad says this a lot, but you're all the same in the pool with, with like one head, two arms, two legs, just treat them like you're the same. So I think um, that's been huge in even playing um, with with the Stingers or, or in our National League comp um, to approach every player like they're the same and just give it your all and no matter what name they are. So I think that'll be really good to um, to implement over there. And um, with the UCI things, I think, yeah, Dan's really looking to kind of push up into those ranks and that's really exciting to be a part of. Um, yeah, and, and for, for my, from my own experience, going and um, having played in, as a junior and been in the Australian team and then travelling over and playing professionally uh, in the Spanish League, you, you get to play with obviously a lot of great Spaniard players. You get to play with a lot of other European nationals and Americans and against them. And, um, you know, I think that that sort of, I guess, diversity of uh, water polos, you know, community schools where you started playing, bringing them together, you sort of get, you bounce off each other and you're learning and, and it helps everyone rise up. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, I think that's the opportunity of being, you know, being able to go to a, a different uh, ecosystem and and um, be challenged and it will be tough and it will be hard work and um, but but approach that with a, you know an open mind and uh, and learn and um, and you know and keep improving and that's that's a, if you if you take that attitude to to water polo you'll you'll achieve the best you can and that may not be you know that you get to represent your country or go to olympic games but you'll enjoy water polo and you'll you'll be able to play for the rest of your life and that's that's certainly a philosophy i try and encourage kids and and anyone i coach to to behave like right because it's a you have a community that you can you can spend you know you meet and enjoy time with and and there's nothing like playing water polo playing a team sport and, and doing the work together to achieve an outcome. Um, now, I'm assuming you were there, uh, you mentioned January, when the uh, uh, Australian women's team snapped the U.S. streak. I mean, uh, yeah. again, there's a standard that the U.S. women have established. And, you know, when you're number one, you want to maintain that uh, advantage. But on the other hand, you've got a target on your back. How, how do you see, you know, you are Australian, you want to play for the Stingers, you may not be playing in this Olympics, but but what is it going to take to, to overtake an American program that has won two gold, was favored for a third goal uh, and probably will still be favored to, to win another Olympics uh, again in 2021. So the question is, you know, how do you see your involvement here in Australia and America sort of helping further both your career, but also uh, the opportunities for Australian water polo? Hmm. Can I, I'll jump in because I, I just want to talk about that game and 
you know, mm -hmm. sure. American women and men in Australia at our national, it was basically you, in America, you have a thing called the, the Junior Olympics. Yes, sure, of course. Effectively yes. our national championships and yes. all age groups from under 12 to under 18 were there. The, uh, so yeah, there was, because we had all of that community there, mm -hmm. the, the, the games drew huge crowds for Australian mm -hmm. water polo. There would have been like 6,000 people watching. <laughs> it wow, seemed like fantastic. a massive atmosphere. And the atmosphere was like nothing I've ever seen in mm -hmm. Australia. It was just a mm -hmm. wonderful experience. And to have um, the US men and women's team here competing against our, our Australian team was a you know great experience for the for the kids to be watching and and give them those aspirational champions to look up to and yeah the women the US women's team's phenomenal like their their records incredible and um, uh, some wonderful wonderful players that have all come out of the NCAA um, competition and. Uh, it is a challenge um, for anyone to compete against them, and it was a. The Australian women on that night had a had a great game, and and it could the game could have gone either way. It wasn't like a there was no dominant team in the water, and mm -hmm. and it was really great to see the Aussie girls, um, you know, play to their best potential, and and if they can, they can challenge the US women, right? And mm -hmm. and that and that's the challenge to be at their best every day, and that's what the US women team seem to be able to turn up and do, and just find a way to win, and that's that's why they're a champion team. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nathan, you played in Europe, and, and I, I, what I am interested in for uh, the Olympic cycle, because I, I think uh, certainly on the women's side, but even more so on the men's side, that this connection now to Europe and having that opportunity to play against the professional, playing in professional uh, uh, leagues there and to, to hone your craft, especially for, for the men. I think for the women, it's, 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 it's certainly not easier, but, but you can be a younger player and you're not going to have the same kind of challenges. If you're a 21, 22, 23-year-old American who has only played NCAA ball, chances are you're not going to have a great experience in, in the Olympics. But talk a bit about that for your experience. And also, uh, Joe Cass, who I've, uh, I've never met yeah. him. But you know, Joe Case, I say Cass, Case, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. a mountain of a man. And you know, the kind of person that you put him in a European circumstance professionally, I think he's playing for, for Pro Reco now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but, he's uh, back now from Pro Reco. Aaron Younger, uh, the captain of Australian teams, just signed with Pro Reco. Right. Um, but yeah, look, I, I um, there's a couple of players that went to Europe um, before myself and another uh, mate of mine who I grew up going to high school with, Craig Miller. Mm -hmm. um, he he uh, he if he was the guy that got the got the offer to go and play for Barcelona first, and he mm -hmm. was living on. He moved out of his apartment with his partner, who's close family friend, and and was living on the on a blow up mattress on the our lounge room floor while before he went to Europe, right? And they, <laughs> the club called him and said, "Hey, uh, one of our imports has fallen through. Do you know anyone?" And it was like two a.m. in Australia, down in Canberra, and. Um, uh, he came, knocked on the door, and said, "Hey, you want to you want to come to Spain?" And that was it. I didn't even, I didn't. Um, there was no negotiation about commercials or money or whatever. It was just the answer was yes straight away. So, right. Um, you know, we just after the World Champs in '98, um, and we came fourth uh, with the Australian team, uh, lost to um, I'm trying to remember which version of Yugoslavia it was at that point in time. Mm -hmm. Serbia, Montenegro, maybe you know. <laughs> whatever um, they're doing, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Revolving yeah, cats of characters. That's right. We lost to Spain in the semi-final. We went on to, to win the World Championships. Um, we all lost to them by a goal and then lost to the, the Serbian team. It was a great, amazing team. Uh, current national coach, Dejan Savic, was in that team and mm -hmm. many, many wonderful sure. players. Um, sure. We lost to them in the bronze medal game and we basically left and went to Europe. And 
um, you know, been travelled a lot and having had been based at the AIS, the Australian Institute of Sport program down in Canberra, had lived away from home. So none of those barriers were really there. It was just a wonderful life experience. And um, uh, I played in a team at Barcelona and Miguel Oca, who's the current Spanish women's coach, was the, club, the team captain, uh, mm-hmm. just a phenomenal uh, player. Um, and a wonderful person, you know, you really, just, you, you know, you just want to do your best when, when he's, and you can understand why he's had such success with the Spanish women's team because he's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sure, sure. So, so, and, and had the opportunity to play for some, with some incredible players, Guillermo Molina, Pietro Figlioli, who was an Australian and now the Italian captain, um, mm-hmm. the list goes on and on, um, uh, with guys that I played with Dejan Savage at that club. So, um, you know, I can't even really talk about the impact it had on me as a person or the, uh, you know, my water polo brain just got sort of blown up, right? Everything I thought I knew just, um, yeah, just got um, expanded or accelerated and, and, you know, it gave me a passion for the sport. You know, Tony Estella, who coaches at Barcelona, is, has, has been a, you know, is a legendary coach in the Spanish system. He's coached at that club for decades and been very successful. Um, you know, his passion for the sport is something that still lives with me today. You know, I, um, you know, it's that sort of impact. How can you measure? You know, it's just, um, uh, you know, I'm really thankful that that I was able to do that. And it's great to see other Australians um, uh, take that journey. And, um, you know, there's been many Australians have gone and done that now. And and I think it's it's a real opportunity for them again to challenge their expertise and their capability and and it takes it's it's taken many of them to the next level and whether it be Aaron Younger or Aidan Roach or Richie Campbell or Joe Kays or there's just dozens really of guys that have gone and done that and gone on to you know bring that back to the national program and um and help you know deliver in in Aussie Sharks and Sting is uh, you know, really on a great tra- trajectory um, towards Tokyo. Uh, you know, fingers crossed it goes ahead. I'm hearing a more and more positive language about that, which is great. Um, you know, I really look forward to seeing them being in that cauldron, that Olympic cauldron, and and um, striving uh, for for glory, which which um, the women have seen in 2000, and the men have have shown incredible signs of of achieving. Uh, you know, what would be um, you know, a watermark event for us to win an Olympic medal. Um, mm. and, and that's what we all hope for. And, you know, the whole system is, stands behind and supports supports that achievement. But you, you, you have represented your country at the highest level. You, you had really the great honor. And I, I heard you speaking to Mike Westorf about uh, um, walking into the, the Olympic Stadium and, and you know, having 120 thousand of your countrymen cheering you and so uh, these kind of things as you say it's your brain got blown up i th- those i can only imagine our experiences that that you, you not only will never forget but it's it's so important to pass along and sort of say this is how i've been shaped and and how does that get translated to to your daughter in terms of you know it's so hard to make that bar especially in a sport like water polo because it's specialized it's tough you need to have a bit of fortune uh a be a uh, you know <laughs> so many different things yeah so I, I talk a bit about that and then you know for both of you because I, I again i can't think of anything more sort of inspiring to not only be able to play something uh a sport that you love but to represent your country and sort of be in there and saying you know this is who i am this is the you know what i do yeah i mean um for me, not coming from a, a, a family that that um, had 
sort of uh, really excelled at any sport or, you know, I, I, I've sort of stumbled along, to be honest, you know, mm -hmm. the experience was not, was all new to me. And, you know, ultimately representing a country is something I, I really was hungry for and strive to do. Um, mm -hmm. But it's something over time that I didn't really um, appreciate how amazing that was because you're in the vortex, you know, you're just, you're traveling that high performance pathway and, you know, mm -hmm. you make your way there and, and um, uh, you know, to get there was incredible. And then it took some time for me, to be honest, to, to really appreciate what that meant. And, and, and lucky enough to, to, to spend a bit of time at that level and, and um, represent my country and, and um, you know, uh, having a home Olympics um, uh, in Sydney in 2000 and, and being able to look around pool deck and, um, my high school water polo coach, Ron Surtees, was, uh, was uh, one of the paid uh, people on pool deck, you know, looking after the, the, the arrangements, everything that was going on around the yeah. pool. And you look up into the, to the grandstand, you know, four or 5,000 people and, you know, you recognise a large portion of the, the people there, their, their school friends, their family members, their, their water polo uh, colleagues, people you've played with against, coaches, referees, you know, it's, um, it's, uh, it was, um, I don't, you know, to, to compete for your country at a home Olympics is, is probably, you know, very rare to start with, but um, you know, mind blowing. Um, it comes with a lot of anxiety, to be honest, you know, <laughs> you, you have this sort of, it's very pressurized and um, and you know being able to step into that that sort of you know what I've just described that environment and and perform at your best is is an unparalleled experience and you know I, I you know I've said a couple of times today I, I just feel so lucky to have been able to do that and I I did work hard you know I had a bit of talent and I was lucky you know I had some luck along the way and had some opportunity that you know knocked on the door and you, you stepped through and took those chances and uh, and I think that's just you know that journey that you go through um, is is a is a big part of what defines you uh, through the experience and I, I just um yeah I'm I'm really happy that, that of the journey I've had and you know our daughters uh, love the game um, you know they're mad for it and to see them starting down that pathway as a as a father and a parent is um, is is makes you pleased you know I, I sort of go wow i wish i could go back and do it all again and but that that's their opportunity now and and i think storytelling you know um michael is the, is what's really what's really wonderful and helps people appreciate what um they're about to go and do um sure. and to go in there and and um give it their all because those opportunities come and they go you know yep. and then they're gone and you can never get them back so you may as well give it a good hard crack um uh, do your best and and um and enjoy it right so that's that's probably for me not having someone talk about uh the approach to it um is the the, the probably the best thing i can do for for athletes that i talk to and and our children you know to 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 step into that environment know what's coming and and and, and thrive you know like even dad mentioned it before, but me kind of declaring that I will be going to the Olympics <laughs> for either water polo or swimming. I think that kind of initial, initial spark and passion of just like, even 
I, I have so many memories from being like four or five sitting on pool deck and like playing snakes and ladders or whatever with Zoe, my sister, um, and just watching dad play. I think that kind of initial spark really came from dad. And um, since then I've kind of, I'm a, I would say I'm a super fan <laughs> of sure. the sport. I think like the London Olympics, um, those were on, they've been uploaded to YouTube and I don't, I've probably contributed to about half of the views. <laughs> Michael, um, li- literally a Saturday night at our place, we'll be, <laughs> we'll be sitting down with our dinner, watching a replay of those, those, Olymp- those London Olympic games. We'll, you know, watch three or four of the, the Aussie yeah. Stingers games. Mm-hmm. And we know every play, we know every player, um, you know. Yeah. It's just, you know. No, it is a bit insane <laughs> <laughs> in um, reflection. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think um, both of those things <laughs> kind of really contributed to my love of water polo and you can talk to anyone who I've played with or even like school friends I do talk about it a hell of a lot and it's on kind of posters on my wall and 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 things like that I think as soon as I kind of walked out and saw dad in the in the crowd it kind of centered me and 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 singing the national anthem um was surreal really it was um blew my mind that that I was going to be playing with kind of my idols and and um, against against yeah, yeah some good teams. I got so. to tell a funny story here, Michael, and sure. no, because you'd be happy for me with me. Um, so you know, you make your Australian team debut. Um, you're on the bench. Your national coach Pedrug, um, Lena's um, dad turns around and says, "No, you're in," because a player had been excluded was in the penalty box, right? So Naoka gets in, the other player slides out, um, and then um, Naoka entered early. So she, the very first second of her water polo career in, at the international level was an exclusion because she did an illegal re-entry. <laughs> and, and, you know, I was sitting there watching, just like you know, waiting for her to enter the water. This oh. is the moment, right? And it's just hilarious that... Um, uh, that was the start of her international career, and well, it's great because if you have a start like that, everything's up, right? Every every moment after that is better. <laughs> but she she got in and and had some played some great minutes, and actually, uh, I don't think you scored a goal in that game. But you, no. you scored a goal in the next game she played, and um, yeah, uh, you could see the anxiety. And it's a great opportunity, and the national coaches um, trusted her to, to and get gave her that opportunity in a, in a moment uh, you know mightn't be it was against South Africa right yeah so it's not a game necessarily that Australia uh, was going to be threatened uh, from from a result point of view but be able to give kids opportunity to play at that level and again it's something you see Adam do with the American women's team he's always introducing young talent into into the into the program and um, and and driving and it actually adds it motivates, I'm sure, the whole squad to continue to strive to do well. And and it's part of why they're successful, I think. So it was great to see Naoka play a first um, game. And um, But yeah, I think it was a pretty funny uh, first experience, right? To, to you know, first second, the first moment before the clock had even ticked over a second, she'd been excluded. So it was pretty funny. <laughs> That was Nayoka and Nathan Thomas, and we'll come back with Preslav Jipov, the coach at Westcliff University, next. 
But first, a message from me. A couple years ago, we decided to remove all advertising from Total Water Polo, and the same holds true for this show. So we're asking for your help to keep the operation up and running. To give to the cause, just go to totalwaterpolo.com forward slash give, and your gift will go toward expanding the coverage of the sport we all love. Preslav Jeepov was named the head coach at the brand new varsity water polo program at West Cliff University in Irvine on April 29. It's a, it's an, it seems like a lifetime ago, doesn't it, coach? Oh, absolutely. I agree with that. <laughs> He's joining us now. Coach Jeepov, thank you very much for speaking with the brand new Total Water Polo podcast. Thanks for having me here. Appreciate that being sure, your first sure. guest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're 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 sharing the bill with a uh, with my colleague Michael Randazzo is interviewing a, a, a couple from Australia. So we're we're spanning the globe here. But and and speaking of which, you have a very very interesting pedigree and something that we should talk about. But I I think for the sake of the listeners in particular, let's go to Westcliff. Um, how did you become aware of this brand new program at Westcliff? And just maybe talk a little bit about how the hiring process went. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I would love to share that with you. Um, <clears throat> one day when I was browsing the web, I just came across to a, a really nice and interesting advertisement that the Westcliff University is actually searching for a full-time head coach for uh, their first inaugural year for men's and women's. And I was super curious to see how it might look like. I just submitted my application. And literally like a few days after, I got in contact with their HR and uh, I was told that I'm invited to uh, conduct an interview. And uh, it was pretty exciting. I prepared myself. Uh, <clears throat> I went there. It was it was good. I think that I had good experience going to those interviews. Uh, so I think I, I did pretty well. And after a couple of weeks, I had another one. I had a phone call interview. You know, the process is a little bit uh, complicated, but... Um, few weeks afterwards, I got hired uh, by the athletics department, and here I am right now, being part of the Westcliff family. I'm so, so, so proud of this, uh, you know, opportunity to start and build their first program in history of Westcliff. Super well, exciting. And so this is interesting. You've you've come to Southern California. You've had a circuitous route. You came from Bulgaria. You've come come through New York and Connecticut. You've been a little bit back and forth. You were at USC. So I can actually share that I grew up in Long Beach. And I have never heard of Westcliff, and I don't mean that as an insult. It was just simply I didn't. I I saw the news that Westcliff was going to create a, a varsity water polo program, and I thought to myself, "What's Westcliff? I haven't even heard of it before." So, so I'm curious about your uh, understanding of what the school was before you got there, if you had one. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, I was in the same situation well, when I came across to this advertisement. I was like, okay, Westcliff, I've never heard about it, but uh, a year or maybe two years ago, there was a similar advertisement for uh, Ottawa Spirit in Arizona. Right. It was pretty similar school, you know. So I thought that it might be the same, and actually, it came out that it's it's exactly the same uh, university affiliated with NAIA, and. Uh, <clears throat> To be honest with you, uh, Westcliff was founded back in 1993, uh, but we are relatively new to the sport since we started offering athletics like uh, around three, maybe four years ago. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, we are relatively new to the to the athletics, but I'm super excited that Westcliff is growing so fast and uh, 
besides the, the aquatic sports that we just, uh, you know, started like water polo, swimming and diving, we also added a few other sports and uh, we're, we're growing so fast, so rapidly. And now we're trying to, to, to make Westcliff more popular and uh, put it on the map of the collegiate sports. Good. Well, we'll we're going to get to your recruiting class because you've already started to uh, announce names that uh, of young men who are going to uh, who have signed with you. But uh, I wanted to, to to move back slightly, which is you mentioned the that the program is a part of the NAIA, and the, for those who don't understand that, that's a, a, a separate entity from the NCAA. It doesn't mean that those teams can't compete, but they do not play under the same rules. Now, Concordia down the road from you had the same status when they started, and then they eventually became an NCAA program. Is there anything that you can tell us about whether your program has aims to become an NCAA program, or are you satisfied with uh, NAIA status? Awesome. That's a great question because you're not the first to ask me that. Uh, basically, uh, the whole athletics, including water polo right now, is affiliated with uh, NAI, the National Association of Intercollegiate Athletics. But simply because there's no water polo in this uh, association, we stick to NCAA. We all follow all their rules, regulations, stipulations. So we're basically, I can say, we'll be part of NCAA. Uh, these are the teams that we're going to compete with. We're still searching for conference, but our main goal, not just in front of the water polo team, but in front of the whole athletics department, is to bring Westcliff University long-term goal, maybe even short. I'm not exactly sure, but we try to bring the 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 the, the whole athletic to become become part of NCAA Division Two. That's why we're expanding all the sports so fast, um, uh, and that's our uh, let's say long-term goal. Uh, um, so, yeah, that's the case. But again, there's no water polo in NAI, and we just follow all the rules and regulations of NCAA. Okay. Is, is, uh, I have to ask you, has there been any talk of the MPSF for you as a, as a conference? I don't know whether you can comment on that. Uh, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> I like challenges. I know that's the, the highest level of competition. Uh, we're still discussing with, with, with um, our athletics department and my uh, deans of athletics, what would be the best fit for us, which conference. You know, we would like to put both programs, men's and women's, in the same conference. So it's just a matter of time to find which conference might fit us perfectly. Okay. That's what I can say. I can <laughs> say nothing about MPSF. It's you know, I'll be extremely honored and happy to be part of it, but we'll see uh, what the, you know, our athletic department will decide at the end of the day. Well, I mention it because my friend and yours as well, Mark Lawrence, who's the head coach at Austin College, um, and I'm located in Austin, Texas. And by the way, you can listen to the TX Water Polo podcast when you get done with this one. But uh, he, they made that surprise announcement for Austin College, a Division three school that was, you know, the, whose women play for the CWPA was going to be the newest member of the MPSF. And I had a conversation with Adam Wright about this, and it seems like the door remains open to the MPSF for new programs, no matter what they might look like. And so I'm not going to ask you any other questions about that because I don't know if you can go into it in much detail, but that's just an observation that I have from, uh, from having spoken to Adam and some other people. Um, let me ask you about the university um, it has, uh, from, a, from an academic standpoint, it has some certain focuses, right? Focus, and what, what are they? What are students looking for when they are attending uh, Westcliff? 
Um, that's another great question. Thank you for asking me that. Uh, first and probably the foremost, I would say that's the location. You know, Irvine is um, that kind of place that I would say is the most desirable place to live and study. Um, it's been voted six times in a row for the safest city in the nation. It's the temperature stays the same. Uh, it's super attractive, close to the beaches. On top of that, you can get a really, really affordable tuition uh, compared to all other colleges and universities that offer varsity water polo. Uh, we have a world class of education. Our teachers are extremely experienced and well prepared. These are professionals who work in different kind of industries that comes to Westcliff and teach classes. So that's another good reason to choose Westcliff as your future school. And uh, many, many, we have a really, really flexible program. So a nice range of that. We're growing, as I told you, very fast. We're expanding not just the sports, but also the majors for masters and undergraduate. So that's a good way to attract uh, you know, many different um, student athletes and not just domestic kids from California, but also from outside of the state, you know, and also international student athletes. I've been recruited a few uh, international kids from uh, from from different countries. Um, there's a big, big interest from kids coming outside of California. And that's a good way, actually, to touch, to feel the highest level of competition here in California. You know, those who have always dreamed about the highest level of competition, but they thought that it will never happen. We at Westcliff give that, provide that opportunity to those guys to come and feel the highest level of, of the game and at the same time earning the world class of education. So that, what I can say, attracts our uh, future students. Well, it seems to be effective enough that you found somebody from as far as South Africa to come to play in your program. So, um, and, and then, of course, you just have a hotbed of water polo right around the corner from you, no matter where you turn. So, um, but what can you tell us, if anything, about what your competition is going to look like? And when are you going to, are you back in the pool practicing? Or what's the status of all of that right now? Uh, unfortunately, we're still not allowed to, to hit the water right now. Uh, my current players are just still doing like kind of dry land. They, they, they practice in the gym, of course, because of the COVID. There are like so many regulations right now that we need to follow. There's like different phases that we need to go through in order to, to you know, to start like uh, practicing uh, the normal way. But right now they're just... You know, since they're all freshmen, I insist them to be in the class, to focus more on their classes, to be present, to, you know, focus on the academia. There's plenty of time ahead of us that we'll have enough time to, to prepare and, uh, you know, to start working as a team. And uh, on top of that, I still don't have enough numbers, like uh, a good roster number, so we can create like a good drill or something. But uh, pretty soon we'll be, we'll, be, we'll, we'll be, you know, hitting the water and we'll start doing laps and um, swim sets and all that. So it's just, you know, a matter of time, hopefully by the end of the month. And you, like I suspect every other coach at your position are, are, hoping for and expecting a spring season? Uh, I'm really hoping and I really uh, think that there'll be a, a spring season. Unfortunately, Wesley will not be able to participate. Uh, my athletic department just decided to give me some extra time. So basically, our first appearance will be the fall of 2021, okay. simply because okay. I was not able to, to bring enough people. 
and there's like some bare minimum that I need to have in order to to to, to start participating uh, in the any conference or any any sort of official games. Okay, um, I have a I would, I'd love to go into your background, but I have this a uh, a sort of almost philosophical question, which I which is that Europeans in general uh, that in my experience are almost mystified by the way that in America that sports and academics are linked. So in other words, you know, as we would say here, be true to your school. And I've spoken to lots of people, and of course you can adapt and you come to understand what it's like, but was that a concept that was new to you when you came to the States, you know, as opposed to having loyalty to one's club, you have very, very passionate loyalty to your school. Absolutely. That's a great question. Um, you know, in, in Europe, um, all these teams, they're part of um, a club team, which is actually a professional team or maybe semi-professional team. And they practice twice a day, maybe even three times a day. Uh, basically, that's their profession. That's where they get money from, you know. While here in the United States, since there's no professional league like NBA or NFL or um you know, some other professional leagues, the, the highest level of, of water polo seems to, to be the collegiate level. But those guys, basically, they need to get their diploma. Uh, so once they graduate, they need to face the real life. They need to be prepared. And water polo is just part of it. But I would say the word balance could kind of explain the perfect uh, situation to those student athletes. They need to find the perfect balance between the academics and the athletics so they can be pretty successful in both. So I would say I wasn't that much surprised because mm. I was kind of familiar with that, but that's part of my coaching philosophy as well to, 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 to spend enough time, uh, you know, <clears throat> with, with the academics. And of course, water polo is, is another huge part of your student life, especially when you're a varsity team member. Right. Um, now let's dive into Bulgaria, because this is a fascinating subject for me. You and I were chatting before we started recording about all this, because I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, of the subject matter of Eastern Europe. And, uh, but so, and, and you're well aware that in the United States, there are more and more European coaches coming to, to, to work. Um, but the vast majority are, are, are from, I would say, uh, anecdotally, are from the former Yugoslavia. You do not hear Bulgarian names along those lines. And so um, I want to ask you just first of all, you grew up in a town called Varna, which is actually quite well known in Eastern Europe as a sort of vacation destination on the Black Sea. Is that where the water polo, your water polo experience began as part of a culture in Bulgaria? And, and what was that culture like for those who might not have any idea about what, what that looks like? Uh, well, before I answer that question, I would like to, to thank you for mentioning that, uh, you know, uh, I'm from Bulgaria and basically I'm really proud of myself for being a first water polo coach for a varsity team in the history of the of the collegiate water polo so that make me feel so proud uh, there's plenty of serbians croatian guys hungarians you know obviously these are powerhouses in water polo but i feel really proud of myself and that's one of my dreams that uh, i was able to 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 achieve uh, becoming a first kind of bulgarian <clears throat> water polo coach here in the united states uh coaching collegiate level, but I can speak a lot about my hometown, Varna. Right now, it seems that this is a water polo hub 
that's the basically the water polo capital right now because there's like around four, maybe even five um, decent level clubs uh, who've been competing with uh, with uh, the Sophia's club, uh, which is traditionally uh, the, the the strongest uh, presentation in Bulgarian water polo. I mentioned before that uh, Cesica is uh, probably the most decorated and uh, like the, the most popular uh, water polo club back in the day. So I'm super excited excited about that. Uh, my hometown is growing. Varna is an amazing place. It's like a tourist destination. We have many summer resorts. That's what we are famous for. Um, during the summer, it's extremely, extremely good. And uh, like probably 10 years ago, uh, they built a really great uh, outdoor facility. Uh, that's an amazing pool. And probably that's the reason the sport is growing so fast. Uh, talking about that, I would like to mention another um, good city. It's called Burgas. Uh, it's a little bit more south of Varna. <clears throat> they just recently built another great uh, indoor pool. And uh, I'm pride, proud to mention that uh, two years ago, we hosted the European uh, <clears throat> Championship for 15 and under, which means that Bulgaria is getting there. We're trying to, to, to you know, catch up with the other guys, like uh, those strong countries like Serbia, Croatia, Greece, Turkey, Romania that are surrounding us. And it's a pity if we're not, you know, being able to, to, to become part of this huge water polo community on the Balkans. So. Right. That's what I can say about it. Is is the pool that's in Varna, the one that you said is outdoors, is it akin to the pools that are, Americans are pretty familiar with the, in Croatia, where they're on the Adriatic Sea? Is it the same thing? And Yeah. It's right by the sea. You can see the, 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 the Black Sea. Mm. It has a stunning views, and it's like literally walking distance away. So basically, okay. the spectators can enjoy an amazing sea view and at the same time enjoying uh, their favorite sport of water polo. Okay, so, and, and then you had experience on both the junior and senior national team in Bulgaria, and you and I spoke about that again before we, we uh, started recording here. But um, I'm curious about both that experience and then also if you're unfamiliar with where Varna and where Sofia is, where Bulgaria is, you're only about four hours from Bucharest, which is a very big hub for water polo. You're not that far from Serbia. You're up the road from Turkey, um, which has a pretty robust scene as well. Is, is Am I right to say that those are sort of the areas where a Bulgarian would compete uh, for, at the club level or, and or at the uh, national level? Uh, unfortunately, I have to say that uh, right now, maybe we are getting there little by little, but for the last, let's say, 15, maybe even close to 20 years, uh, our senior and junior national teams are not really doing so well, pretty much similar to club level. Now, back in the 80s, uh, during the communist system, I can say that our national team was pretty strong. We have participated to many Olympic Games, uh, many world and European, um, uh, you know, games and tournaments. But right now, the situation is not that good. And that's so, so upsetting simply because we're so close to those strong, uh, you know, powerhouses in water polo, and we're not able to to, to kind of take from their experience. Mm -hmm. uh, it's so easy to just travel like four hours and visit one practice to Bucharest or even to, to, to Belgrade or to Athens or Istanbul. You know, it's a pity that you don't take advantage of it. Uh, we have young, talented coaches.
coaches in Bulgaria, uh, but probably the, the the economic situation right now doesn't provide them with this opportunity to 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 go there and touch and learn for those big time specialists, you know, like coaches in in those uh, countries and regions. So that's what I can say. But I have a feeling that uh, we are getting there little by little, you know, building those huge pools. Um, the interest is growing. I can say there's so many young kids that are willing to to be part of the water polo. So I think I'm really hopeful that in the very near future, Bulgaria will be back on the place where it's supposed to be, talking about water polo. And you were a member of the senior national team. Is there an anecdote that you want to share? Another, like, I, Typically, the question would be, do you have a favorite memory? But it could be a memory that was a complete disaster as well. It could be either way. So I don't know if you have any any experiences as part of that team that you might want to share. Uh, something comes to my mind, and actually, you reminded me of that in our first part of our conversation. With when I was part of the of the junior national team, I can't say I think it was around 96, 1996. We traveled. We took the train, and it took like couple, probably around two days to go from Sofia to Istanbul, which is not that far, but it was a huge journey, like literally two days. The train was moving so so slow, and it. when we went there, we were extremely exhausted. That's why probably our presentation wasn't that good. But that, that was my first experience facing those strong things like Serbia, you know, Greece, Turkey. But I would say probably the main reason was that long, long, you know, <laughs> journey. So. Um, yeah, but I would, that, that, that's, that's a kind of a funny story, you know, I, I wanted to share with you. <laughs> the question is, could you open the windows on the train? Because they can get so hot. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But sometimes it got stuck and it was really, really impossible to do that. So uh, to be honest with you, again, it was big journey. Luckily, we were so young. Uh, so I don't have such a bad, bad memories, you know. So we also have a lot of fun and joke during that, uh, you know, uh, trip. I will tell you that the single most miserable train trip I ever had was from Moscow to Leningrad back in the day. And they heated everything so much that I had to go stand in the transom, like just because it was cold outside. It's the middle of the winter. And, but I, I preferred being out there freezing my butt off than uh, sitting in the, in the cabin sweating. So yeah, that, that was, I was desperately hoping to open the windows. But the Soviets didn't like you opening the windows. I don't know if you understand why, but uh, that, was, that was not a very popular option um, at the time. Um, well, what an interesting background, but then here you are, you're in the United States. So how did that journey take place? Um, well, let me tell you, long story short, uh, back in 2015, me and my family, we won green cards through the lottery system. And basically that's what bring us here in the United States. I have a first cousin who's been living in New York for more than 25 years. And that's why I've decided to, to settle down there. And, um, you know, Mr. has started coaching at Columbia University. Um, there was a kind of an open position for a club team uh, for the women's. And uh, I spent a good couple of months out there. We won the state division championship, uh, you know, title. And basically that's where my coaching career in the United States began. And then I moved to Southern California to spend another season with the USC Trojans club team as well. That also gave me a great experience coaching side by side with, uh, you know, coaches like Vavic and Pintaric gave me huge, huge, uh, you know, uh, water polo experience. And then 
uh, I came across to another advertisement about Greenwich Aquatics. That's a you know club located in Connecticut, pretty popular, and um, you know it was a full time opportunity. I took it. Uh, that gave me so much experience. Talking about age group levels, uh, I was coaching uh, you know all age groups from 10 and unders all the way to 18 and unders, boys and girls, including the masters program. I've been we've been to many junior Olympics, and you said if if you probably know Greenwich is a pretty pretty good club simply because there's like professionals out there uh and um you know those three years gave me a lot of opportunity and then last summer we just moved to to san diego because i had some personal personal issues and um i started working with del mar water polo club um on top of that, I became a head coach for the Kenyan Crest uh, girls high school team as well. I started for a little bit at Torrey Pines High School as well, but you know, then I got hired by Westcliff University. So I would say that's my story here in the United States. I'm super excited that you know it's like a dream come true to become part of the collegiate water polo because you know my my education, my bachelor's and master's degree are related with the finance, but you know. It seems that <laughs> I was not meant to do that. And here I am right now in, in the make of water polo. Storage the, in, count. the interesting thing is you've got a career to, to fall back on in case this whole water polo thing doesn't work out. But it's, it sure seems like it has. Like you, you, You've ascended the, 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 the ranks here to, to achieve. And you just answered a question I was going to have for you, which was coaching a varsity-level team. Is that, was that your aim when you came to the States? And it sounds largely that it was, like a dream come true. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> to be honest with you, I didn't have that much of expectations. Things just happened little by little. You know, when you learn the game, when you see what's going on, and when you realize that water polo might become your profession, you start chasing that dream. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I've been to many different interviews for a collegiate uh, option as for to becoming a, a you know coach. But right now, it's like a dream come true simply because. Um, I've been selected to start this program in the probably the most desirable place right here in yeah. California. So I feel that uh, I've been blessed. I've been super happy, and I, I want to say thank you to the, you know, um, our uh, academics uh, staff at Westcliff for for giving me this opportunity to become part of this amazing family. So yeah, definitely, it's like a dream come true, and I've been always chasing that 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 goal. Very good. Well, I have one more question for you. Uh, on your avatar for Skype is you kicking a soccer ball around. How come you didn't become the next uh, Risto Stoichkov instead of a, 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 a instead of a water polo guy? Oh, I'm so surprised. You know, everything, including probably the most popular Bulgarian. And uh, thanks for asking me that question. Well, soccer is one of my favorites for probably second or third favorite after water polo. I'm, I'm also a basketball fan. So it was a great experience back in 94. I sure you remember. I remember it very well. Exactly, yeah. And you know our hero. Like the whole team, they were like pretty, pretty good. But Christos Stoichkov was the one who basically made Bulgarian happy. So, um, yeah, I like the soccer. But, you know, water polo is kind of a different sport, different, uh, you know, approach for me. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm super excited that uh, Christo is actually he lives here in Miami. So uh, he works for uh, a television. So. You know, it, it's good to, 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 to be close to him. I, I watch his uh, videos and highlights. I follow him on, on Instagram. So, you know, yeah, I like the sports. I like football. 
I mean, soccer, but, uh, you know, <laughs> unfortunately, right now, even the Bulgarian national soccer team is not good doing that well. Hopefully, things are going to get better pretty soon. Stoichkov is amazing. Like, then the, the, you, you'll turn on the TV, and he's doing Spanish-language soccer broadcasts. Because he was, I think he was in Mexico, but I know he obviously was in Latin America for some time, and so picked up the language perfectly. So, he, a Bulgarian who went to the South America is doing Spanish language language soccer broadcast from from Miami. So, uh, wow, it's uh, it's amazing how people uh, traverse the, the the country. Okay, well, that's the, I think I'm going to let you go. But that was Preslav Jipov, who's the new head coach at Westcliff University. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak about Westcliff University, to share with you some information about myself. And uh, I wish you all the best in this nice, uh, you know, uh, initiative. So wish you all the best. Thank you again for having me. Well, that's it. The first of many of these shows, we hope. Thanks for listening. And be sure to tell a friend about the Total Water Polo Podcast. Until next time. This has been a production of TWP Sports, LLC.